Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. This is Grim Shea here. This week on Saturday Morning Serial, we, well, first of all, we finally talk about Serial, and we also talk all about the new show, Nobility, coming out next year. Uh, if this interests you, and you are in the Los Angeles area today, November 2nd, 2013, you can cruise down and catch these guys live at Kamikaze. You can find them at uh, 12.30 p.m. in room 308AB. Uh, you can talk to Cass Anvar, James Kyson, Jim Kruger, Neil Johnson, Darren Jacobs, Charles Henry Avalanche, E.J. De La Pena, and more. There will be signings, merchandise, and most of all, you can probably get better details than we're going to give you. Wish we could go, but we're stuck down here. All right, everybody. Without further ado, here's the show. Welcome again. It's another edition. It's another Saturday morning. It's more Saturday. cereal. It's more cereal. I love cereal. All you can have, all you can eat. That's right. Tell me, Mark, are you the type of guy who grabs the bowl, puts the cereal in, puts the milk in, and then puts away the milk and the cereal? Yes. I'm a one-shot. I mean, I, you can't leave the milk out. That's, you couldn't get away with that, even if your mom was asleep. You still got to put the milk away. Well, I'm not talking about settling in for, you know, like all four hours of cartoons with milk or, you know, spending the afternoon just with a book and an open thing of milk. I think that's, it. that's exactly what you're saying. I think you're, you are, you seem like the type that would take the milk into the living room by the TV and have it next to an open box of cereal and just keep on scooping more into the bowl. That now that, that does kind of describe it. When I was a kid, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten away with that. It was, it was kind of monitored. Yeah. When it came to cereal, I think I probably have a history of abusing cereal privileges, <laughs> and that's why. And let me tell you, when I was a latchkey kid, boy, did I abuse it. We actually cooked after school, like me and my brothers, or, you know, uh, we would have friends come over and stuff, and we were all latchkey kids, you know, all of our parents worked too, but yeah, we would show up, and actually, we didn't even need latchkeys, we just, you know, we could always get into the house, it was never a problem, uh, usually just a you know, a robber just left a window open or something. <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, we grew up in the Vadio and in, in uh, Albuquerque, so you know, crackheads and whatnot. Yep, but anyway, yep. share, um, share like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I mean, after school, it wasn't a lot of cereal. But oh, Saturday morning, boy, mm-hmm. it was good. Mm-hmm. That's what most of the box was for. Uh-huh. But when it comes to cereal eating in general, I do like to purposely overshoot with the milk. Uh-huh. So I have to go back with some cereal and then. You know, accidentally pour a little too much, so I got to hit it with the milk again. I never um, double dipped cereal no. because I really enjoyed the milk after the cereal. Oh, oh I, I used to drink that stuff down. 
See, if, yeah, if you got the right purple sugary yeah. cereal. Fruit, does, fruity, fruity Pebbles. Fruity Pebbles is a good one. A Although there's always going to be a couple pebbles you couldn't spoon in. But that's perfect. They're a little soggy. You, 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 you end up drinking the pebbles. Well, exactly. And that just seems dangerous to me. That just, <laughs> I was a neurotic kid and I did not want. We had not one an incident. Aaron Cheerio oh. or Kix nope. just getting Never stuck up in there. Kix, maybe, I could think of maybe one time that we had Kix cereal. I just, we never oh, were a Kix that family. Was, uh, we were a Kix family. At least when I was a kid with uh, Saturday morning cartoons, that was pretty much the one that was there. I might have gotten lucky, some Frosted Flakes mm-hmm. every now and then, but for the most part, it was going to be Kix. My mom, every, every so often, I mean, might have been five times in my life, would let us do the Cookie Crisp. Oh, I remember and the it Cookie was, Crisp. It was, and for all you kids out there, if you don't remember this stuff, it was literally little tiny chocolate chip cookies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they were actually little bits of chocolate. It wasn't even like <laughs> it wasn't like even like oats. To, yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. That that one was good, and that would get uh, basically a chocolate milk. It wasn't technically yep. a chocolate cereal, but yeah. it seemed like the only flavor that would leach into the milk was just the chocolate. Um, Cocoa Puffs would do that. Cocoa Puffs, well, Cocoa Puffs, every bit of them. Okay, now, I, I, mean, I think this is a good segue into a, an amazing occurrence that would happen. And this was later on in life. Uh, we all had our driver's licenses. And license I. License I. And we would get to drive every once in a while, right? We all had our cars. In Albuquerque, you had to have a car. You really couldn't do anything. And we would drive on Paseo del, Paseo del Norte. And you would drive by the General Mills factory. And if you were out late, maybe 11.30, midnight, and you're no, driving down the yeah, trail. They, they, would, they would cook their that's batches when, at night. That's, also, when, yeah. that's when they would cook the Cocoa Puffs. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's, that's not a euphemism, but they would <laughs> cook the Cocoa Puffs, and you would drive by there, and just the whole freeway smelled like it. No, oh, uh, my first job, I, I worked down there. Oh, at the Down, you know, basically, I would have to drive by it every night on the way home, and yeah, I would say about half the nights of the week, I think I'd be pumping out some delicious smells. Oh, I mean, so un- indescribably good. Oh, love that stuff. Um, so yeah, I guess we just got caught talking about cereal. Well, you know, I well I, the whole the whole point, the whole reason why I brought it up is I think it says something about you as a person, oh. how you eat your cereal. Well, okay, so I. I will go get a box of cereal out of the cupboard, and I do pour the cereal first. I don't pour the milk first. I don't know if that tells you anything. Well, what kind of insane killer <laughs> pours the milk first? I don't know. I'm <laughs> assuming everybody does. <laughs> yeah, okay. You have to know. Well, well that, I, because, thank you for, for the detail. Yeah, then but, it just kind of all floats on. You know, you have to you have to have the cereal in there first, right? Okay, yeah. so I, I do the cereal first, and then the milk. <laughs> I've, some kids do the milk first. That happens. No, uh, well, we're going to do some research. They're, perhaps, yes, they're perhaps, perhaps viewers can leave comments on the on our webpage at www. I'm a serial killer who pours his milk before his cereal. dot com. <laughs> serial killer, awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Well, like yeah, I, I think um, there are people that do it in that particular way. Uh, I don't necessarily know if that really tells you anything about the person. Uh, I just think that's just how they're raised, you know, and I'm not going to judge it, you know. I mean, some people, you know. 
No, no. It does, who would raise their child like that? Do you know that? what do you, does make sense, though? Have you ever tried just you know pouring milk sense? into a bowl? You're going to get splashback. You're going to get milk Let me all give over. you a situation where it would make sense, all right, is if you don't get sugary cereals and you have to, you know, supplement that with sugar. So you put the milk in, put the sugar in to dissolve equally into the milk, and then you put. Otherwise, you have, let's say you're doing some, like, Rice Krispies, you're going to put the Rice Krispies and the sugar on that, and then you're going to put the milk. You're going to have some Rice Krispies with more and less and things like that. So there, there you go. That's a reason to do it. I, yeah. I'm just defending these people. I don't know these people. I, I'm not one of these people. I promise. <laughs> you're doing a great job defending them <laughs> and making them sound compassionate, even though there's clearly something wrong with them. No, you, you start with the cereal because that stabilizes the liquid. That's why when you pour yourself a glass of water, you don't fill it up with water and then start hucking ice cubes into it. You put the ice in, and then you put the liquid. It's solids before liquids. And and if this is the first time you're hearing it, listeners, take it to heart, and you can thank me later. You will, you will stop getting water stains if if you have bad water all over your clothes <laughs> by chucking ice cubes into a perfectly good glass of water. No. All right, so so go on. Oh, I forgot what I was saying. No, you're describing your cereal habit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, cereal first, uh, milk, and then I go sit in front of the TV. I don't really think that I've ever eaten cereal on a kitchen table. It might not have ever happened. Okay, that is that is a little crazy. I think it's always been in front of a TV. Or, I, you know, to be totally fair, you know, 90% of my meals are on the coffee table. No. You know, well, at, at my house, you know, not total estimate, but, you know, I, we were raised in that type of family. You know, we, you know, for, yeah, on Thanksgiving, yes, we ate, we ate at the big table, yeah. you know. But, yeah, cereal at the table on Thanksgiving. No, no cereal. No. Yeah. Well. But, yeah, so, anyway, so that, that was well, it. I can picture you and your brothers all, like, eating cereal, holding the bowl no, the entire thing. No, we did. We were on the couch leaning over with the bowl on the coffee table. So it was very, you know, not very ergonomic eating. No. Yeah. But yeah. That's, Sounds messy. That's what we did. I see milk, milk drips all over that. Yeah. That's, we always had kind of messy, you know, that little space of carpet between the coffee table and sofa. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a, as a young child, though, you can't. Really, I'm at the age now, even if I'm sitting at a table, just to eliminate as much milk drip as possible, I'll hold the bowl up. And with, it's just all on your goatee. <laughs> and it just cascades from the yeah. goatee straight back down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, more control that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, like you see war refugees in the movies eating a little bowl of noodles when they're mm-hmm. rescued or something. Just <laughs> right there. That, that, yeah, speed really attack. makes up for it. Yeah. You, 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 you're, you're almost like lapping it up. Yeah, exactly. You just get your, your hand in the right motion and hope you don't chip a tooth. You're like one of those uh, steam ships on the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I, I totally enjoy it. Um, still to this day, cereal's the best. You know, now that I've matured, you know, I, I, it, right now is the season, by the way. Halloween, if you go to Target, Halloween has, I think it's just a Halloween thing. But you got your Frankenberry, yep. your, uh, your uh, Count yeah. Chocula. And Is your, it Frankenberry or Booberry? Well, those I think are, they might have changed it. Those are two different things. They're two different yeah. ones? Uh, the Frankenberry is the strawberry. The Booberry is the blueberry. Oh. And then they got Count Chocula. Mm. And there was another one, but that's not, you know, I'm not going to count new ones. I'm just saying, no, let's go retro. So if you guys go to Target right now, you can get, you know, you can pull this out again. That's <laughs> so, true. Yeah, they, and I, I was... Uh, 
I think I even saw on Facebook people talking about the, you know, oh, it's blueberry season. It is blueberry season. Why is it? Why won't they sell that year round? They used to, right? All the time they had it. But, you know, I think it, there's just so much, you know, there's a saturation of, of cereal and only so much space. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to make the cereal into the seasonal candy, yeah. you know, so, which is totally fine with me because, you know, I have an excuse to buy it right now. I have an excuse to eat it right now. You know, it's, it's seasonal. True. Yeah. And maybe, you know, if they, if they can sell two boxes per family every year, maybe that's above the national average for Absolutely. brands of sugar cereal anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And All I, right. I, I, I don't think they're giving out to kids, you know, uh, for, for Halloween treats. You know, yeah. I don't no, think no. I tell you what's always bothered me about the cereal industry. They, they market directly to children if you, if you pay attention. Absolutely. It's just shameless. It is shameless. And they actually put all the really sugary stuff. If you guys walk through your grocery stores, if you walk, you know, walk through the, walk through the cereal aisle and, you know, you'll see like your, you know, your Rice Krispies and your Cheerios up on the top shelf. But all the sugary stuff is right at about three feet high. Yep. You know, yep. your, your total raisin bran snack. That's, that's all you got, you got to tip you got to reach. You got to make an effort for that. But no, the sugar is right about three to four feet at the most. Mm. Yeah, that's just that's just smart, real, real, real smart. Uh, oh, oh, you know what? Deceptive. Since we're talking about cereal, and this show is not about cereal. No, it's, but we thought we should get it out of the way. We, I, I guess so. Do you still get excited? Like, okay, uh, this is another telling question. There's a cool prize in the cereal. Do you dig it out or do you just wait for it to pop out? Mm, I wrestled with that one a lot growing up. And honestly, I would take it on a case by case basis. Ah, okay. I think maybe the more competition, like, uh, like my like, sister like seemed interested to, yeah, yeah. it might hasten my decision, <laughs> or at the very least would make me step up my consumption. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm not going to say that I've never just dumped it all out or shoved my arm down to the bottom. I've done that. Uh, and then I think there was a time towards the end where they wised up or there were just, you know, health concerns, parent groups or whatever, but they started putting the toy outside yep. of the bag. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. And leave, it was technically in the box, but if you wanted to, open up the box, don't even open the cereal. Yep. You just pull that cereal bag out. I actually really like that feeling of when you're just turning the cereal over and then one morning and then just, boop, there, there it is, the little, mm -hmm. you know, the little tattoos or the little... You know, lightsaber, whatever the hell you're... Yeah, it's terrible. Doing. I can't... I can actually remember getting them and watching them fall out mm -hmm. into into an, even a wet cereal bowl, but I can't for the life of me remember one thing specifically that I got. I don't remember anything really either. I do remember us going through like this phase where like the prize was so good that we'd have to dump out all the cereal and my mom would get all pissed because when you try to put it back in the box, it was always like, like a real kind of pregnant looking box. You know, like you couldn't yeah. really, yeah, you, there was no way it to was like machine do it. There was no way to square the cereal anymore. Um, so yeah, once you took it out, it's going to change the shape of that bag. Mm -hmm. And so you could totally tell when someone was, uh, you know, kind of shuffling through that cereal. Yeah. Oh, oh and the shame. <laughs> yeah, the shame. Oh, well, the you shame. take your wonderful m mythical prize with you, you know. Yeah, and and meanwhile you're still standing there with with the decal outstretched <laughs> yeah. to your mom, saying, "Well, damage is done. Maybe now we could just move on and get this on a T-shirt." 
Uh, staying over at, um, I don't know about any of the listeners out there, but uh, every once in a while we got to stay at Grandma's house on Friday nights. You know, that's when, like, my parents would go out or something, and so she would take us over to Grandma's. Grandma was the kind, was the type of person that never really had boxes of cereal, but would rather, you know, and it's, she never did this in front of us, so I assume Monday through Friday is when she was, or, she was trying to organize this. But she was the type of person that had the cereal-specific Tupperwares. Oh, and she right. would decant. She would decanter, yes, oh. cereals. And That's so, often a sign that she's just buying the knockoff. Uh, I maybe so. The ones that come in the bag. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I couldn't really tell. Uh, there was a lot of Lucky Charms, and that's pretty easy to that's pretty easy to fake. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's shaped colored marshmallows. I mean, how fucking hard is that? Yeah, and it's not like there's some great quality to the actual <laughs> Lucky Charms marshmallows. They, oh, they do not. They dissolve in milk. That's the quality. Mm. They would they would swell up and then as they would dissolve, the, you know, I would always have to help them along. I loved the bite, the stirring and the holding. I loved the bite into Lucky Charms marshmallow after it had been sitting in milk. There was yeah, yeah. A, if you had the patience, there's a there's a resistance. There's enough of a resistance to it, you know. That was very very good. Where it, it very nearly for a tiny, tiny little <laughs> window in its existence did resemble a marshmallow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, good. I'm just digging it. I, I can't... Uh, and, so, and, and listeners, what are your thoughts on cereal? How did you eat it? Did you put milk in the bowl first like an insane person? Or were you more normal? Do you turn one bowl into six bowls by slowly playing with the milk and cereal ratios? That. That's my style, and I think it's made me a better man for it. Were there any of you out there who were maybe a little bit, uh, you know, a little needy when you were a kid, a little poor, maybe a little, you know, and you had to use the powdered milk from the government? Anybody did that? Anybody? I, we had a couple years where, that, where, where we had powdered milk. Yeah, we had powdered milk. I never really put it together as being poor. I never thought milk was like a luxury item, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, maybe we weren't. Well, I know I I do know we got it cheap because we had to go get uh, like tickets or coupons yep. or something. And powdered milk Down always had an odd no, flavor no, to it. There's an odd texture. Oh my flavor. God, I was poor. You were poor. You were in Albuquerque. I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I'm still poor now, but I'm not raising myself. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> can, you can afford milk, for Christ's sake. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a great Saturday reflection on uh, on on cereal. And sure when we come back, something else will happen. Everybody, please welcome, if you will, you may know him as Ando from Heroes, a little show on NBC back in the day. I remember that. Uh, you will soon know him from a show called Nobility, and we want to talk to him about it. So please welcome James Kyson. James Kyson, are you there? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Oh, good, good. Thanks. I'm, uh, I'm Grim Shea. I'm joined with Marky. Say hi, Marky. Hello. All right. And, hey, Marky. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Now, Marky... 
uh, before we get into nobility, Marky, uh, I am as well, but Marky especially is a huge Heroes fan. Yep. And I know he's got a question he's been dying to ask for a while, so I'm just going to let him have it. Go I, for I, it. I, yeah. I kind of like the way you put that, because <laughs> you were like, <laughs> I thought you were okay, but my buddy here loves right, you. Right, right. No, no, I, I have, I, I have the, the, the million-dollar question, and... You could save me a lot of hours here, okay? Because when okay. I watched, when I, I watched the first season, and I absolutely loved it. It was one of the most surprising, wonderful shows, and you were, you were, you were great in it. I think you're the, you were kind of the, the heart and soul of it, you know, your character. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I really loved it, and I, I watched that first season, and then I watched the second season. So tell me, how did it end? How did it end? I stopped watching it. How did it end? Like, 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 what did what did Ando do? How did it end? Just you know, save me, save me some hours here. How did Heroes end? Go ahead. That's like, that's like, uh, that's like if I ever met the author, the guy wrote who wrote Moby Dick. I'm like, hey man, I've been hearing so much about your book. <laughs> I, I heard it's so good. I'm a fan. Can you just tell me, like, what happened? <laughs> well, I, I really, I do want to know, though. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, uh, just, just, yeah, just so guide us through. Just give, I just, me, give me a quick synopsis. I just got to go back to how Grim was like, hey, uh, my buddy here loves the show. <laughs> I, I do. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you go up to a girl and says, uh, hey, uh, my buddy thinks you're really hot. Well, I, I think you're okay, too, but uh, he was just wondering. If he, he could get like, your number, that was just really funny. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess my answer will be, uh, it's, uh, I hope you have Netflix. Why, well, I, I do. <laughs> oh, but what, just go ahead, just, you know, um, what happens to Ando, you know? <laughs> well, I can tell you this much because you definitely stopped at a, at a funny place because season three is when Ando gets his power. And then basically his entire life changes. So, no way. Um, I mean that's that's when that's when it really gets fun. I say, I think the first season was probably the best in terms of storyline. But for my character, I probably had the most fun on season three. So, like, are you do you do you get some kind of special power? Like, what yeah. actually happens? Like, like, and well, how how is it that Ando ends up with a special power? Well, because in order to save my buddy, I had to inject myself with the formula, uh-huh. and we didn't exactly know what the formula was going to do. And basically, I ended up getting this power where I shoot lasers out of my hands, and you I could not either shoot blow lasers out of your hand. No way. Yeah. Ando. So oh I, my I, God. Yeah, exactly. So I could either blow stuff up with the laser, or I could actually um, zap other people with superpowers, and I could amplify their power basically kind of like supercharge them. So it kind of like has this twofold, you know, utility. It's kind of like the end of Superman 2. That's what it sounds like. Well, do you remember that movie? What do you mean? Yeah. Well, no, I, I, Wait, I, which... I do, at, at the end of uh, Superman 2, the, the uh, Kryptonians all kind of shoot laser beams out of their hands just for like no apparent reason. You know, it just all kind of comes out. Are you talking about, like, the old Superman 2? Yeah, yeah, the old original Donner, you know. Yeah, you know, that was my favorite one. That was, I I still think that's the best one. 
I totally agree. And there's actually a Richard Donner cut, which was the the kind of lost footage one that you could actually go get right now, get it on DVD, Blu-ray, or whatever, and it kind of cuts that whole laser beam out of the hands part out of it, you know, um, just because it just kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, these are Kryptonians. This is a whole different universe, you know. Uh, but that's kind of the image that I, like, have of Ando here is just kind of, Zapping people with his hands, which is kind of like the emperor. Yeah, stuff. but my my mine looked a lot cooler. I mean, you know, I think I I think I'm going to give it a try again. You know, it's just that that like second season just really kind of kind of drug on there, and then it like went off the air for a while. I had no idea what happened to it. I totally lost track of you guys, but it was a really really great show. And and I'm going to say it again, Ando, you you know your your character was the heart and soul of this. Of this show, you know, you were the you were the conscience, you know, of of the whole thing. Well, thanks. Well, I appreciate that. You know, what happened with that season two was the writer strike. That kind of I know. That kind, yeah, that kind of messed a lot of things up. Sure, so I sure. and and if you like my character in the first two seasons, I mean, wait till you get to season three. <laughs> well, I, I actually yeah. had a, a a really good friend of mine is. Uh, she worked with uh, with the uh, NBC studio, and she kind of knows that there was a lot of friction between the show creator and with the studio about season two and about kind of where it was going. And it, it seems like they were, they were kind of trying to get him to kind of, you know, speed it along, kind of get it a little bit more, you know, a little bit more juice. And there was a lot of pushback there. Uh, and I think well, that, you know, it, it's, you know, when you do a network show, you have to understand there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and, um, you know, there's, there are elements that you have to deal with that have really has nothing to do with the, the creative, um, you know, aspects of the show. Uh, you know, things like advertising and, 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 yeah. um, you know, so, so it's always a little bit of a push and pull, you know, it's not like a cable show where we could kind of go away and do our thing and then here's our 12 or 13 episodes and then now you, you go air it, you know, it's, we're actually filming while the show is on the air. You know, we're, we're, we were usually about four or five episodes ahead of schedule. So, um, so you know, it's, it's an interesting process to be part of, you know. There, there's always different sort of notes and p- different people want different things. And um, also we started it so hot, so hot off the gate that there was a lot of spotlight and attention on us, you know. So, uh, but all in all, you know, I think everything works out the way it's supposed to. Well, I think there was, uh, like, at the time in the nation, in the TV-scape, at, at, uh, in, like, uh, 2006, 2007, whenever uh, Heroes' first season came out, yeah. there was a lot of, like, uh, uh, I want to say, like, like, lost fatigue, where people were who had invested into a show with a really good narrative arc and good characters like, uh, like that weren't getting yeah. payoff. And I think it was, heroes it was change that. yeah, it was telegraphed early on in Heroes with save the cheerleaders, yeah. save the world. Yeah. And then by the end of the season, well, by God, they saved the cheerleader, and then they saved the world. And then it just kind of felt like, oh, wait, now he's in feudal Japan. Uh, maybe <laughs> I'll tune in next year. We'll see. I, you know, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think finally getting a payoff made us all feel like, well, I don't really feel obligated to a second season now. Yeah. Well, as much I, as we appreciated well, it, it did end up hurting. Well, you know, what I do give them credit for is that they, uh, they took chances, you know? Right. Sometimes when you take chances, sometimes uh, things pay off and sometimes things doesn't uh, as, as much as you thought it would. Uh, but they were constantly trying to, uh, uh, you know, think outside the box and not just kind of give you a regurgitated 
formula, you know? Um, whereas there are certain shows that's, you know, they, there are certain shows out there that are procedurals and they've been on the air for 12 years and you know exactly what you're going to get when you tune in. You know, you don't really have to watch in any sort of order. You know, you catch an episode here and there and that's sort of kind of like what they're, what they offer for you. You know, I think our show try to offer something different. And, um, so, and I definitely think season three is worth the investment. Um, so, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I had fun with it. Uh, I thought season four was interesting too. There was a, a, a very cool, unique carnival storyline. So there are a lot of very like mm-hmm. otherworldly creatures, circus. Um, mm-hmm, exactly. So yeah. yeah, I mean, give it a shot. You know, it's especially it's it's a good. I feel like Heroes is one of those shows where it's it's a really good uh, way to watch uh, in bulk. So I think that's where hmm. a lot of people oh, yeah. through yeah, Netflix yeah. and whatnot, Netflix you know, style, it, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of hard. You 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 could watch about four or five in a row pretty easily, and sometimes people get a lot more satisfaction out of that than having to wait each week. And you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know I do. I got hooked on that binge watching kind of stuff myself. I'm all about Netflix now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, and I, I am going to give it a try. I mean, it's. I, I do believe, and this is for all you listeners out there, like the, if you haven't caught it, the I can absolutely guarantee that at the very, very least, the first season of Heroes is one of the best seasons of any show of any kind in the history of television. It is fantastic. Yeah, I, and I our, agree. Right, and our 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 guest right now is Ando, who is on that show, um, and it's just a it's. It's an amazing thing. We're so glad to have you on. But we're it's part of the new vanguard of like uh, story arcs and the the golden or second golden age of television. And uh, speaking of which, there is a project you're involved in now, Nobility, which I've mm-hmm. heard a couple things about. And I want to know more. Is this now? I know it's sci-fi. I know it's on a ship. But I also stand. Uh, it's almost like a like a sitcom, like. Uh, it's like, it's like a, the yeah. faux documentary, like The Office or something. Is this? Is yeah. I mean, I, I guess one way to describe it would be, you know, Office meets uh, Star Trek, um, <laughs> and uh, and a little bit of a little dose of Firefly, if you will. Uh, so oh, uh, yeah, that'll get them. That'll get them all excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, so it's, yeah, it is about the ship uh, called Nobility, which is kind of like the Enterprise and. Um, you know, uh, there are some of us that are from different planets, and uh, and there's a documentary crew that wants to kind of follow us around to show how great, you know, life in outer space and on the ship is, you know. So, you know, part of it is sort of their marketing ploy to, you know, get more, I guess, traction in the space program, and, and so, so we're kind of part of that world. My character, uh, Bob, Bobby, Bobby Takashima, he's, uh, he's the navigator. So, you know, uh, I guess if you were compared to Star Trek, you know, they, he, they sort of see him as so, sort of like the Zulu, uh, Zulu of the ship. Uh, but he's also, uh, he's also a cowboy. So he's sort of like, obsessed uh, with, uh, like, uh, with the cowboy hat, cowboy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like cowboy hat, cowboy <laughs> or, hat. Or like he's a loose <laughs> cannon and his chief isn't going to stand for it anymore. Uh, yeah, you know, that too. He is sort of a loose cannon and he's, uh, um, yeah, you know, he, the guy is a fighter pilot, so he loves, uh, flying, uh, but he's a little, he's a little quirky as well, you know, he, he's, he's, 
he loves wearing the hat and the boots, and um, he's got a, a little bit of a southern a twang going. Um, he loves country music. He loves Elvis. Um, and um, he he's sort of like the guy who is, uh, he kind of gets along with everybody on the ship, so he gets pulled into, like, different dramas and, um, you know, he wants to kind of keep everyone happy, you know, so Ooh. I consider him, like, the glue, I guess. So, uh, like, in preparation for this role, did you do any uh, spaceship ride-alongs with Southern Asian cowboys? <laughs> Is there any way to, like, get into the boots of the character, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, speaking of that, actually, where are you in production? Because I know this is a ways out on the horizon, but should we yeah. be getting excited for this, like, around Christmas yeah. or spring or where, where, where are we yeah, going to be Yeah, I would say, well, you can start getting excited for now, but uh, I would say we're looking at uh, December um, and then probably going into the winter. So uh, definitely by spring, I'm hoping you probably start seeing something. All right. Uh, don't, don't, yeah, don't I, I know, I, don't they already started, started building the sets. So, uh, you know, usually that takes time and, you know, you know, they have, you know, they have to work with designers and, and, you know, whatnot. So. Oh, right, we've all built spaceships. Yeah. That's, we've been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it's a long process. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. Hey, the Enterprise wasn't built in a day, so. <laughs> that has got to be the nerdiest quote I think I've heard in a while, but I'm, I'm glad I was a part yeah. of it. The Enterprise yeah. wasn't built in a day, people. Let's just Love get that. back. But um, um, that's, that's uh, uh, can, I, can, I, can I ask real quickly, I mean, um, where do you fall on the, uh, you know, human life spectrum? Are you, you know, were you the jock growing up? Were you the nerd? Were you the geek? Were you the bully were you the bullied on you know uh, where do you uh, fall and how how did it all work out for you yeah you know you know what i was i was always the new guy because um uh you know our family moved around a lot when we when i was young so i think by the time i went through kindergarten and came out of high school i attended i think total 10 different schools which is i mean it's pretty that's a lot you know so cuz our family was moving we grew up in New York City, but we moved almost every year, year and a half, couple of years or so. So, um, can you guys hear me, by the way? Just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fine. So, you, okay. uh, you in the military, um, on the lamb? What, uh, what, what kept you moving around? Uh, I think it was just, um, you know, my family came from South Korea, so they were part of this uh, sort of immigrant generation. So, uh, you, you know, I think they were... You know, they were sort of uh, find, finding their footing, and I think, and I know a lot, a lot of immigrant families, um, you, you know, in the 80s and 90s sort of went through this. Um, you know, they're just kind of trying to survive and, and make do and, 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 and seeing what works. So I think that was part of it. Um, so, you know, I was always that guy who was, like, new, and then, you know, when you're the new guy, it, it's sort of uh, the pro and cons is that it's, you, you do get a lot of attention being the new guy because people are sort of curious about you. And um, But at the same time, because you're coming in from the outside, especially when it's like in the middle of a school year where the cliques are already sort of formed, um, they're already groups, and, and, and you are you don't really know where you belong exactly, you know. So 
Um, I think in some ways it taught me how to make friends fast and how to assess situations very quickly. But there's always this feeling of like, man, I'm, uh, you know, I was, I've been here for a couple of years. I feel like I've just been kind of putting my foot down and then i got to go move again. So there's always this feeling of like, man, always coming in from the outside. So, um, so, I, so yeah, so that's, that, that was my experience when I was growing up. I think that that totally fits into a, you know, a, a very important piece of any, you know, 80s teenage movie. I mean, there, there was the new guy, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he Absolutely. started with the new guy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Always <laughs> causing trouble. From Kevin Bacon, yeah. Ralph Macchio, all of them. It just turned everything upside down. Yeah. Well, now, uh, I, I want to get back to nobility since we got you here. Uh, before we move on, I do have a serial question coming up. But first, I want to hear more about, uh, like, this is going, th- this project is headed for television, right? It's like a, uh, a serialized uh, half hour format, right? Well, I mean, my answer to that would be I, I, I don't know, you know? I think, mm-hmm. I think their plan is to uh, shoot the pilot, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's geared for a TV format. Uh, but we're we're in this really funny time right now where um, everything's sort of merging, you know, and this this mm-hmm. new media is has opened up a, a completely different platform, and so you know that the line between television and the web is getting more and more blurred. Um, you know, this past year, I got to work with Tim Crane again, who created Heroes, and um, mm-hmm. we shot a pilot called Daybreak, and. That was basically a spin-off of a show called Touch, which is on Fox, where it was on Fox, with mm-hmm. Sutherland. And um, what they decided to do is team up with AT&T and, and create this new show. But it was, it was very AT&T brand integrated. So, mm-hmm. so, so it was brand new characters, still with the world of Touch. But, so I was part of like the secret society that you know, uh, maintain the balance of the world, and and we would use AT&T tablets or phones to kind of communicate mm. with each other and send each other codes and, and whatnot. So, I mean, I, that's I don't think something like that has ever been done before. You know, a, a sort of mm-hmm. a integrated collaboration between a I guess a, a media company and and a television studio. <laughs> you know, and um, so I think Ooh. we're going to see more and more. Uh, versions of these things where, you know, sometimes it's meant for the web, sometimes it's meant for TV, sometimes it's meant for both. And um, so, you know, I, I'm not really sure where nobility's headed. And I think so you're trying to keep it thing. open for either one. Well, personally, yeah. you know, what I'm driving at, I would like to see it on Netflix, yeah, or, me too. You know, or Hulu, or uh, wherever it can come out. Yeah, immediately. Just knock a whole bunch of them out and just kind of really get. Because you know, I guess would be Netflix. I know Hulu has got their own shows and they put one out one like every. Right week, like a right. normal, uh, presentation, right. which I think is shooting themselves in the foot. Right. Why not just dump it all out? You know, just get it all out there. Right. You know, but, uh, which, which, I mean, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that, that too is sort of becoming this new formula where it totally defies this, uh, um, hello, you there? Nope. Well, we just lost him. We're going to try to bring him back on. All right. Go to dial him up. Hey, James, are you there? Uh, James, hello. Are are you uh, back with us? I'm back. I okay. got. Uh... I, I don't remember where exactly we left off, but let 
we're just going to go ahead and keep it at that because we have a very, very special guest coming in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Graham, go ahead and take over. Well, uh, you may know him from being your coworker. <laughs> you may have shared a taco or something <laughs> with him. I'm not sure. But uh, your co-star from Nobility, I think we mentioned that earlier in the interview, is uh, Kaz Anvar. We've got him on. All right. right. We're just going to do a horrible, horrible, freaky three-way starting now. Hello, Kaz. You there? I love it. Howdy, howdy. Kaz, say hello to you. Yeah, cowboy. What's going on, brother? I'm good. I'm good, bro. What happened? Your phone died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, uh, maybe that was you. Maybe it was you calling in. That was me. I, I was saying, this guy will not stop talking, so I'm going to just kill his phone. <laughs> Jeez, man. You just uh, short-circuited the whole thing. I love it. <laughs> All right. So once again, for anyone who is just joining us now, we have on the line with me, Grimshay, and my cohort, Marquis. Hello. We have both James Kyson and Kaz Anvar. From the okay, show, Nobility. And uh, we're probably just going to let them talk uh, either about how much they hate each other. Or how much they love each other. We have no idea. Or love each other. We're going to play it by ear. You say that as if you have a choice. <laughs> it, is, it is. This is a total flip of a coin here. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, so, James and me in the room together, and then all hell breaks loose. So, yeah, I like, love it. Tell us about being on the set of this other show. And um, when I, you know, and you guys can all go on the website, which is like nobilityflies.com. What, what is it again? No, I think it's uh, nobilitytheseries.com, I believe. Nobilitytheseries.com. And if you guys go on here right now, um, it's going to tell you a little bit about the show. And it's, it's, it's basically like The Office, which is a show that I cannot stop watching over and over and over again. But it's, it's The Office, but on a spaceship. Is that a, is that a good representation of what the show is, guys? I think, I think it's got, <clears throat> I think it's got the, the humorous kind of um, documentary-style aspect of The Office, where you get to see the inside uh, inner workings of everyone's minds because they get caught in this documentary that's being made. I think James mentioned it before. That they're making a documentary on the ship. And the documentary gets to interview the characters from time to time, and you get to actually see what they're actually thinking, what they're actually feeling. But then you combine that with kind of a dark uh, sci-fi vibe of uh, Babylon 5 or even kind of like a dark comedy of Firefly. Um, and I think that's, that's what Nobility is about. It is going to be true sci-fi, but it's got a very cool comic uh, flavor to it. Well, well not only that. That's what I'm here, actually. Yeah. Well, not only that, if it's, uh, if it's going to be on the web, uh, there will be uh, a lot more sex. <laughs> <laughs> there was no was, sex on the office. James's, I think that's one of James' conditions quit. in his contract is, like, he's only going to do it if there's tons of sex. But the weird thing is he's not going to be having <laughs> any of it. People. He's not having any of the sex. He just requested that everyone else have lots of sex. That's the weird thing. That's really kinky. That is, that, is, that is really out there. I never, I never understood that, but hey, I'm grateful. Yeah, it's, it's a wide, wide world. And when you're on a ship, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I was about to lie. I was in the Navy, but I would just gotten in trouble. Yeah, you got, really, you got really real there for a second. Really exactly. um, you know what's funny? When we, were, when we were filming Heroes, I was trying to convince them to do a, a musical episode. And uh, I think it would be awesome if we uh, we did a musical episode of Nobility. <laughs> you know, if, if, 
and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to re reset our our uh, interview here a little bit. But if you were to do a musical of heroes with Ando in season three, you can't do the jazz hands because then you'd just be you know zapping people with the oh. laser beams the whole time. Well, that does sound dangerous. Yeah, but right? I could I could control it. It's not like it's not like it just shoots out whenever. You know what I mean? Well, well, I, I have no idea. I, I, yeah. I have I have not seen season three yet. But. <laughs> the hand doesn't just the hand doesn't just go off and then just randomly zaps uh, people. It's like it's you know it's if if I want to zap you, then that's I, I would throw some laser, you know, okay. beams at you. Right. I was yeah. just I was just kind of imagining laser beams and jazz hands kind of coming together. It doesn't really seem. Well, no, that does, that does sound pretty cool. <laughs> no, I, that's the definition of flashy. Well, <laughs> I think you're well right. Well done, Mark. I think you're going to sell some tickets, but. Uh, okay. All right. So, it, where where are you guys in production on Nobility? Have the two of you like shared a makeup trailer yet? Have you shot a lot of scenes, or is it all just? Are there shows ready to go? Pre 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 production. We're we're beyond pre production. We're actually we have done some filming of some some material, um, uh, some of which. Uh, I think we'll be coming online soon. The the actual series itself is not ready for display. Um, that's that's not going. But we have been we have been filming. Uh, there's ongoing casting. There's writing of uh, beyond the first season uh, is already in the works. I think I don't know if you've seen some of the, the cast members that have been attached to it, with, along with uh, Claudia Christian. Uh, it's it's going to be a great great show and like i said they're already into season two and season three um breakdowns and and script writing too so but we have actually started shooting all right good this is all promising this is this is what i want to hear now are there like in general are we talking about uh lots of laser fights in deep space is there uh when you say like dark sci-fi are they looking for aliens? Are they quelling a rebellion? You know, give me give me some direction here, like as as to why you guys are stuck out there in a spaceship altogether. Yes, and why it's funny. I mean, uh, you know, what is so funny about a spaceship? Oh, nothing, in my opinion. Right. Deadly I would just serious. say yes. I would answer yes to all those questions. Oh, well, fair enough. That's that's what you're getting. This uh, the series is. It's got deep layers. It's got conspiracy. It's got murder. It's got intrigue. It's got laser beams. I don't know if um, you had a chance to review the the special effects reel that they've posted on the website already. Uh, we've got uh, this amazing uh, VFX guy um, <clears throat> from uh, uh, I think his name is Tobias uh, from Germany, who uh, was the VFX guy for Star Trek: Next Generation, and mm-hmm. The, the material that he's put out for us so far. He's created the ship. He's created nobility. Uh, and the opening sequence that you, the opening sequence that you see um, on the, oh, hello. It sounds like someone's doing laundry over there. Uh, is, is someone falling downstairs? Can we send help? <laughs> the, uh, well, you know, and, and, and you guys are asking, like, what's funny about it? Like, I, I, I think being in a spaceship's hilarious. Like, any of those... Uh, all Star Trek shows where they they're sort of not human, but they kind of walk around like like there's nothing wrong. Yeah, like like I think like a laundry on a spaceship is funny. 
right? Mm. Well, no, no, I, that's, that's what I mean. I think, I think if you're blue and you have scales on your face and pointy ears, but you walk around the neighborhood like that's normal, that's hilarious to me. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm actually <laughs> really, <laughs> That sounds funny, but really... In about eight generations, they're just going to call that old-fashioned space racism. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If I ran into that guy on the street, I'd be like, I'd be like, dude, we'll be, we'll be called space. What's your story? It's a little spacist, really. Let, let's a little spacist, yeah. Oh, um, that's your so, grandma talking, Mark. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, hey, uh, Kath, can you tell us a little bit about your um, Captain Cern is your character name, from what I yeah. can see here. Um, are yeah. you like the Michael Scott, you know, of the ship? Are you really, you know, are you obviously in charge, but not really, you know, supposed to? Are you inept? This <laughs> is what I'm going to do. Whoa. Hello. Um, I, am, <clears throat> I am the captain of, uh, of the CS Nobility. Um, captain Cern is a little bit of a, a dark horse. He is somebody who was an extremely... Um, aspiring uh, kind of hotshot, very much like an old Kirk-style hero who had a very, very traumatic, dark thing happen to him early on in his career, which has almost broken him, which has damaged him. He hasn't given up his command, but you can clearly see from how the season starts how deeply uh, it's affected him. So he's become a little bit of like a Han Solo. Uh, so he's a bit of a he's a bit of a mix of uh, a few of our kind of archetypal science fiction heroes, where he's got that heroic potential. He's the the unwilling hero. He's the womanizer. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a dark horse, a bit of a troublemaker. He gets himself into fights. He likes to be a bit of a playboy and a joker. He's a bit, he's a bit adolescent for his age, uh, and all of it comes from a very uh, broken place from from things, that have happened, from things that have happened to him in the past. And um, you're going to find that about <clears throat> most of the characters on, um, on Nobility. Uh, everyone's got some kind, of a, some kind of a broken, dark past that informs their characters and kind of makes them this misfit kind of motley crew of people that are running the, the most sophisticated piece of equipment in the universe. Well, All right. You, you, know, you know what really... Uh, into gears in season two, uh, Cass's character gets cancer. He shaves his head and then he starts stealing meth to uh, <laughs> beat the <Wow>. cancer. <laughs> Dag damn it, James. Yeah. You just need to Yeah. There are a lot that's, of shows that's, are going that's, there this season. That's, yeah. That's breaking. It's got a lot of, got a, got a lot of potential, that storyline. <laughs> I don't think it's mined out yet by a long shot. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, um, we are actually, um, we're getting close to running out of time here, but I did kind of want to touch real, real uh, briefly with uh, James. What else do you have coming out? I mean, I'm, I was looking at your IMDb page, and it looks like you have just a ton of stuff in, in post-production or production or development or something. So it's, it looks like you've been busy. Where can we see you yeah. now other than the busy? Go ahead. Well, there's a movie that I'm in that uh, came out recently called Plush. Um, but uh, I did a race car driving film uh, called Born to Race, Fast Track, and so that should come out next uh, summer. And then uh, I just finished this project in San Diego called Between Bullets. Uh, it's about a cop who has to infiltrate the UFC world to investigate the murder of his brother. So 
So that was a lot of fun. So I'm sure that will be coming out sometime next year. All right. And, uh, well, and you know what? I, I actually, you know, as I'm, as I'm looking at your page here, I see one of your names is Takashima. I have Japanese captain. I have a Parker. I have, um, we know you as Ando. Um, how do you play... How do you play an American Japanese or an American Korean? You know, what is the difference there? How do you approach those different roles? Like, what do you mean compared to what? Well, I mean, just, I mean it, you are obviously, you know, you, you are cast as the Asian in the film or in the Asian in the television show. You know, how do you approach it? Uh, well, actually, most of the roles that I've done this past couple of years, it's, uh, they're not really... Well, they weren't Asian in the first place. Um, yeah. So uh, I think a lot of times, I don't know, I think that's when, when casting is sort of non-ethnic specific, uh, I think that's when it's, it's a little more interesting. Uh, but sometimes because of the storyline, you know, they have to be. Like for heroes, our characters came from Japan, so right. they, they have to be Japanese, you know. But um, for me, I'm more interested in um, the what what makes them come alive or what makes them tick, you know, where their entry point is, you know, whether that might be, you know, a love of race car driving or, you know, why they wanted to be a cop or, you know, why, why is he into uh, being a cowboy? So, you know, I'm yeah. more interested in that. Uh, I, I think the other things, I think the other things are just part of the character's origin that falls into line, you know, when you start doing the work. So, um, but yeah, I was never really interested in, you know, what the, I think the race of someone is always probably the least interesting uh, aspect for me, at least. So. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Cass, I have a similar question. You know, I mean, um, as you look through your IMDb page, you know, there's obviously a uh, profile. Is, 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 hey, James, is that James, a buddy, thing James, buddy, you got to stop doing the dishes there. <laughs> I actually oh. think he might be playing racquetball. I'm not, I'm not sure. Oh, okay, we thought you were falling down the stairs. Okay. I don't think he. I don't think he knows we can hear him. <laughs> I. Uh, I. I'm. I'm. I'm in the kitchen, so there's a lot of things going on right now. Oh, okay, because we can all hear. We can all hear what's going on. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, um, well, you uh, wanted. You, you wanted an inside look into my life. You're getting one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. There it is. So what? Sorry. What was the question, brother? Oh. Uh. uh I think. Uh, what he wants to know is uh, how. How do you feel about? Um, being, I don't want to say typecast, but I notice uh, through a lot of your roles, like, you know, a lot of our listeners, if not every single one of them, have heard your voice on, like, uh, Call Hello. of Duty. Yeah, right. As, as one of the Arab characters. One of the bad guys, yeah. Right. And, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, as, uh, and as Altair in Assassin's Creed, which is a Middle Eastern, um, exactly. Middle Eastern character as well. Uh, yeah. And I think you were in the Revolutionary Guard, in Argo. I mean, right. clearly you're not getting a lot of the Irish roles. <laughs> no. No, and I don't know why. My red curly hair, it's just not working for me. Yeah. yeah, I think, well, so, you know, they're going to do Well, honestly, um, let's say uh, there's, a, there's a double-edged sword to being uh, a visible minority. Um, until... Uh, you know, 2001, until 9-11 happened, um, there wasn't a lot uh, for people who were of Middle Eastern background or who looked Middle Eastern. There wasn't a lot out there that really was 
beyond a two-dimensional kind of archetypal stereotype type of uh, role to play. Once um, the world was kind of thrust into a new age and we had to kind of take a look at what was going on in that side of the world, all of a sudden that started to affect the art that was being put out there because it became uh, a major part of our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's how, that's how art usually works. It responds to what's going on in our lives. And then all of a sudden there's been, there was a huge glut of really interesting roles, really, really dynamic, three-dimensional, uh, deep, <clears throat> thought-provoking roles, and you started seeing them on 24, and you started seeing them on a lot of the, the, the films and the, 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 the military and uh, espionage type of um, uh, products that were being put out there started including that, and then all of a sudden there's this massively interesting field for us to play in. That being said, I'm a, I'm a Canadian. I'm born in Canada, so I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be born... Uh, I'm raised in North America. I don't have an accent <clears throat> unless I choose to put it on. I can play a whole bunch of different characters. I know a bunch of different languages. Uh, I have accents up to wazoo. So I get to do uh, quite a lot. But I've never actually felt resentful of of the whole um, typecasting thing because I've been given kind of a, a blessing. If you, if you look down that list, yeah, there's the Argos and the, the Call of Duties and that, but there's also tons of doctors doctors and lawyers and uh, love interests and things like that. I mean, even Captain Cern uh, on Nobility. There's, I mean, we're going to probably work his ethnicity into the storyline, but it has nothing to do with me being cast in the role. We're probably going to use it uh, to kind of make the character more interesting um, and just kind of like say, hey, look, in, in the future, anyone from any background is going to be captain of a starship if they're uh, qualified to do it. Especially if they're blue and they've got scales in their face. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's our, yeah. and that, well, that is our favorite. Think twice about that right, exactly. in, the, in the next century. Yeah. Right. And, you well, know, we, 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 all, you we all think that it is a relief that, uh, you know, that, that, we can, that we can look at those things and, it's just all, it all seems the same to us, you know? Uh, yeah. So, you know, we're, I will say this. I will say this. It's really frustrating. The one thing that I find frustrating is that um, the studios and the producers and the networks are too, um, I don't know if you could, I don't know if we're censored on this air, but there's, oh, no, go ahead. No, I don't know. They're, they're, too, they're too chicken shit to take any risks uh, with any of these storylines. Nobody believes that the the audiences are ready for, let's say, uh, a brown protagonist. Um, you know, they've, they've come to terms with an African-American protagonist. They've come to terms with... Um, Thank you, Denzel Washington. The, yeah, exactly. Or, or uh, Will Smith. You know, those guys kicked kick the door down and, and said, hey, you know, we're, we're heroes too. We're not, we're not just drug dealers. And they're, they're, they're coming to terms with the Latino hero, uh, but it takes decades for every uh, race to earn its quota in, uh, in North America specifically, because in Europe, mm. you, you see it all over the place. You see people of all shapes and sizes and creeds playing all sorts of different roles, but they don't trust the audience. And one example I had was when I was working in Canada, and Canada is actually pretty progressive. Um, I was working on a great show called The Tournament, and uh, I played an East Indian gynecologist. It was a hilarious show, very office-style show, and I was this arrogant, 
uh, East Indian gynecologist and had a kid who was a hockey player and um, he was one of the best players on the team. And my nemesis was this kind of Archie Bunker, white racist guy on the team who was the coach. Mm-hmm. And they had a line in there where they said, um, my, my character's son's name was Kumar, and somebody goes up to the coach and says, hey, Kumar should be put up for MVP. And the, the response was, yeah, if MVP stands for most valuable Pakistani. Ooh. And I Ooh. thought it was hilarious. Because <laughs> the, the, <laughs> no, but the thing is, that's the character. Like, Archie Bunker was allowed to yeah. say whatever the yeah. hell he wanted. And yeah. it was hilarious because he was ignorant, he was racist, and you loved him. And he also learned is kind of the point. He also yeah, matured. he did, he did learn. But I every don't think episode. Archie Bunker in the last episode was anything like Archie Bunker in the first episode. But the show itself started a dialogue. Exactly. And that's why I'm exactly. glad I'm seeing a lot more on TV where it is opening up like that. And but my point, one my of the point was is that the network cut that line. And mm. I said, don't be embarrassed on my behalf. I'm a brown person. I love that line. They go, no, 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 it's going to offend everyone. I said, I'm not offended. I said, I I'm that. offended that you think you know better. Exactly. Like, almost like, like uh, they're almost treating you like you don't even know that you're being insulted, so we'll be insulted exactly. for you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so bad. Yeah, it's like, it's like thank, you, thank you for your protection, white people. We are so <laughs> appreciative. What would we do without you protecting uh, our brownness? Exactly. <laughs> While you're totally oppressing everybody. Um, but anyway, okay. Um, well, hey. All right. All hey right. guys, well, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no I, I, I got to run for this other interview. But, well, uh, we're actually about to end this as well. Yep, so we, we wanted to thank both of up. you guys for coming out here. Um, we have James Kaysen. Uh, Kaz Anvar. I hope I'm saying that correctly. You Wait, guys you gotta, you gotta pronounce my name right. Say it again. James Tyson. 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 I'm a total idiot sometimes. Okay, <laughs> so uh, you can catch both of these guys on the upcoming Nobility. Catch up with, uh, James on season three of Heroes. That's where I'm gonna be next, uh, stop. And, uh, okay. we can look for Nobility. Hopefully coming out, um, here in- Maybe next spring. Yep. Fingers crossed. We're not gonna beg, but we will ask. EJ De La Pena in just a moment about that. So thank you once again, James Kaysen, Kaz Anvar. Uh, well pronounced, by the way, I think, Mark. I especially think so. if you're yeah, not good you with great. Canadian names. I am horrible on Canadian names, so I'm. You nailed it. I'm very good. Friendly. All right. Thank All you right. Guys. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. James. James Kaysen and Kaz Anvar, everybody. And I'm getting excited for nobility after talking with these guys. Marky, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm kind of interested. Oh, are you? Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, you're kind of you're kind of taking the bait. You're thinking maybe it'll be all right. You want to know a little bit more. You want to actually sit down. You want to watch it. That's that's what you're thinking. Yeah, I'm. I have some you know subtle interest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're more adventurous than trepidatious about it at this point. I don't know what word. I don't. I don't have a word for it. Ooh. Yeah, I, I know it means a lot to me though. That's good. That's good. Well, you know what? Curiosity is building. I think we've had something to do with it, and I think we owe it to the people now. Let's just talk to the creator. If we want to know more about it, let's talk to Mr. E.J. De La Pena, who some of you may be familiar with as a child star. But at this point, he is bringing you nobility. Let's just dive into that after this brief word from Not Our Sponsors. It's the Play-Doh 
Carol's Fuzzy Pumper Barber and Beauty Shop. Sit right down, crank up the chair as Daddy grows his Play-Doh hair. Shave and a haircut. Next, please. Brother needs a little off the top in the Fuzzy Pumper Barber Shop. We'll fix Mommy's hair just so you can make it with Play-Doh. The Play-Doh Fuzzy Pumper Barber and Beauty Shop from Kenner. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. E.J. De La Pena. How's it going? Pleasure to be on the show. Oh, thanks for, thanks for calling in. Sorry we kept you waiting there. Uh, it's been a busy day talking to all of your co-stars and, uh, I guess, employees, employees of nobility. And we could actually blame Cass for this because he was very late for his, for his call time. Uh, it, was he like that on the set? <laughs> you know what? No. Uh, he's always been very professional uh, coming on board. <laughs> Uh, always shows up on time and, and does a fantastic job. So, you know, probably nice. just a mix-up or something. <laughs> yeah. We'll just chalk it up to this technology of ours. Yeah, we'll give him a pass if you're going to talk like that about him. But uh, he's on uh, <laughs> You know how these Canadians are. That's, 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 we won't spank him this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've already got kind of a feel for what nobility is going to be about. Um, but as the creator, I feel it's only right if we gave you a, a, a chance to, to throw it out for us. Yeah, tell us about this show. We are very excited about it. And, um, well, thank you. you know, yeah, and, and it just seems like, a, it seems like an idea that I should have had. It's so good, you know. I mean, <laughs> so where did, it, where did it come from? Where is it going? Where is it now? Um, go on, tell us more about this. Uh, well, nobility is essentially... Firefly meets the office. Um, and it's a fun ride. We have a lot of laughs. It's very funny. But it also has a very strong uh, uh, dramatic side. We have very real characters that exist in a real universe with consequences for everybody's actions. And it's set about uh, 700 years in the future on the Starship Nobility uh, with a crew that's anything but noble. So <laughs> we have a mm-hmm. lot of fun. <laughs> Good. I like the, I, and I love that setup. I mean, that gets me excited. If someone says, "Oh, you got to check this show out," it's it's set in space, but it's like a faux documentary. It's funny. They're real characters. Well, and, and I would want to watch it that that week. I, I actually think that that uh, Grimm here is actually missing out on a, a really important factor. Is that this is basically like, well, this is how I understand it, and I really hope I'm right here. But that this is kind of like a workplace thing, you know. So. You know, hopefully we have scenes of people talking by water coolers, you know, kind of shuffling paper around. You know, that's kind of what I have, you know, that's kind of the image that I have rolling in my head right now. Who would be shuffling paper in a spaceship? They have to write stuff down, don't they? Don't know. Uh, future. Um, you know, you, even Star Trek had pads, you know, had tablets. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And that was only 300 years in the future. <laughs> Well, still, I, I see holographic writing. I don't see water coolers or. But you know, is it is it like a, is it a work? Is it really a sitcom about a workplace? Just it happens to be on a ship. That's kind of how I see it right now. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily think of it as a, a workplace so much. Uh, I mean, we do have a lot of moments where. You know, people are taking care of business on the ship, um, you know, uh, tapping control panels and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But we don't spend too much time dwelling on, on that aspect. It's because even though you have 
this um, you know faux documentary going on, and you have this mystic crew, and you have a lot of interaction bet- with, between them, where uh, which is how uh, the humor comes about. You still have a very large, grandiose universe and storyline. So it really is, uh, like I said, a, a, an interesting mix between The Office and uh, Firefly, where you still have that, like I said, grandiose storyline and everything's fitting in and heading towards a purpose. Oh. See, it's a, yeah, I, I think, Mark, what you're thinking of is more like the love boat. <laughs> I think maybe so. <laughs> and you, you keep trying to cram it in there. Well, I, I actually think that we're kind of talking about the same thing here. You know, it's it's really about the interpersonal, you know, relationships and just kind of the everyday kind of stuff, you know, and whatever, you know, jars that kind of conversation, you know, that's kind of what's happening here. I don't think it's always about a mission and about, you know, trying to stop aliens or something like that. Am I correct here? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, we have, I mean, we don't have so much have aliens as much as, uh, people that have like different races of humans that have existed on these different planets and different environments, but um, and so they they've changed over time or evolved. But it's it's less about ooh look there's you know a fascinating alien of the week, or and more about these people and their own um, problems and and how that gets them into interesting, you know, funny situations and how they're interacting with each other, but also uh, how, in, how their internal conflict is going. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going on with every, every one of our characters throughout the entire show. Hey, that, that sounds like a good comprehensive description, and uh, since it's coming from you, I'm going to take it at face value. <laughs> you are the creator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I guess we probably ought to move this along because later we've got Steven Spielberg on and Mark's going to tell him what E.T. was actually all about. Yeah, I, I it was a movie about communist Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think uh, someone's got to tell Steve that. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> all right, so I've got to know how this came about, how, uh, how you did take this, this very simple and almost perfect idea and uh, from what I can tell, you don't have – you've been in the industry, obviously, since uh, for, for a good number of years. But I don't see any, uh, any credits for writing and producing a sci-fi show on your IMDb page before this, or any show, uh, for that reason. <laughs> yeah, I am, um, as far as uh, credits go, a little bit uh, new to the block. But, um, you know, I've always been fascinated with sci-fi, or I rather should say obsessed with space-faring sci-fi in particular. Uh, and I've, I've always been writing. I mean, I was working on um, Leave it to Beaver uh, as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid, uh, the Leave it to Beaver movie. The movie, not the TV series in the 50s. I always get asked that question. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> You're way too young for that. You are not Jerry Mathers at all. Yeah. yeah. No offense, but but <laughs> but yeah. So I I like was sitting there on the set of, of Leave It to Beaver, uh, sitting there, um, uh, and I was going to write a sequel to Independence Day. I was, you know, that that was such a, a great film, and I was going to write a sequel, and I had this whole plot cooked up, and you know, so on and so forth. So I mean, I've always been writing, and even in college, I mean, I got my degree, my my uh, minor in creative writing. So it's always something I've been doing. I just haven't 
uh, until now turned it to uh, a professional uh, endeavor. Well, well, so, congratulations on turning. Well, I guess we should knock on wood. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if you've made any money off it yet, but I hope that you do, and I hope that uh, this is uh, going to be long running, if you know, if not at least contained along the idea of uh, you know finite story arcs. I'm trying to, I'm trying to lead you down the right path as a showrunner. I think. Well, and I, I'm actually gonna, and I'm make actually, sure it ends at some point. I'm gonna actually crush your spirit right now because you, you cannot write a sequel to Independence Day. The president flew a jet <laughs> fighter, and he shot down aliens. You cannot possibly take that anywhere. But okay, go ahead. Oh, oh, I, I had it all yeah, worked out. It. So exactly how we were going to do it. It what, doesn't make any sense. My adult brain goes, "What the hell were you thinking?" But as a kid, I knew. <laughs> Share with us. How, how would the sequel to Independence Day go? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, the way I had it worked out as a kid was the alien's planet had been, like, I, I, I didn't understand, like, their entire species was on that ship that blew up, the mothership. Mm-hmm. But so I, I thought they had some planet, and that planet had somehow gotten knocked out of alignment and, of course, as a kid, I had no understanding of, like, how the distances in space or anything. And so the planet was approaching Earth now. We had to destroy the planet. Oh, you, you actually see, did pick it up smart. a notch. Yeah. You, you took it up a notch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so even though you were unaware of the total and complete genocide in the original movie, you were willing to go for total and complete genocide in the sequel. Right, exactly. I, I was going for genocide squared, man. <laughs> so, um, where are you now? And we, we've actually asked this of um, of both James and of and of Cass. But you know, where is the show now? Uh, when can we look forward to seeing you know our uh, a first episode? You know, where is it now in the whole process? Uh, well, right now we're in the midst of pre-production. We got. Um, a good chunk of our team together. There's still, you know, a few few folks that we're looking to pull together, but um, you know, and uh, a few uh, um, roles that we need to cast. But we're definitely getting there. Um, we're hoping to go into now. Now, um, don't uh, don't uh, you know hold me to this because you know everything changes in the industry. But uh, we're hoping to go into production um, late winter. Um, so, you know, January, February, ideally, uh, and hope to have the first uh, uh, season out um, probably uh, mid to late summer. Oh, okay. Good. Good. That You even I said think- that with, uh, like, as if you're expecting a couple things to go wrong along the way. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting, but I'm prepared. <laughs> no. Ah, well, good enough. I guess and that's I'm not really doing. Way. I'm not doing anything next summer, so I'll be able to watch. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Mark. Mark will be free. Aside from uh, aside from a probably a trip to Comic Con, yeah, which uh, you guys were there just this past summer, uh, already trying to build momentum for Nobility, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We've been we've been at Hon- uh, San Diego Comic Con, Long Beach Comic Con. We even had a panel at a uh, FedCon um, last year. So our at, at earlier this year, uh, FedCon in Germany. Whoa! Wow. <laughs> uh, so, and we can make um, um, uh, our uh, VFX uh, uh, 
lead BFX guy uh, Tobias Richter for that one. Uh, he got us in there. He's, in, he's from Germany, so he lives in Germany, so, you know. And those BFX guys, they always get to pick where they live. Well, that's well, you know, it's easy. You just do the work and email it, you know. <laughs> right. Well, and, and um, we were actually talking about the um, special effects clip that is available on What's on uh, nobilitytheseries.com. Nobility, the, uh, nobilitytheseries.com, there's a special effects clip going around. Uh, how involved are you as the, as the creator with something as, you know, I don't want to say trivial because it's actually really important, but the design of the ship, you know, um, how much input do you have in something like that? Um, I basically, I work with, and, and partly this is just my style, uh, I work with um, the VFX artists and say, okay, this is what we need. This is what's in the script. Uh, this is kind of generally what I'm thinking. You know, these are the colors. These are the kind of the basic shapes. And then I basically say, go run with it. Uh, and then they, you know, work something up, bring it to me. I give them notes, and, and we have a nice uh, back and forth. But I like to give the um, artists, so whether it's VFX or costume design or what have you, um, uh, uh, a long leash, so to speak, so that they can, uh, because they're the specialists in their field, and they're going to have a better idea of what's going to look good than I do. Um, but I still, I'm still heavily involved with the process because, you know, obviously it needs to fit with the gen- general shape of the show, uh, the general vision of the show, and, and the needs of the script, and so on, and the story, and so on and so forth. Well, that sounds like a lot more work than I'm willing to do for anything. So this has got to be a big passion project for you. I'm actually not even wearing pants. So <laughs> the only reason we got switched to radio. <laughs> Don't have to worry about any of that. Just got to talk. That's all you got to do. <laughs> oh, perfect. All right. Well, uh, before before we let you go, I uh, I've just got to throw in my love of Run Ronnie Run. I know that might just be the uh, you know the epitome of the of the cult comedy of the 2000s, uh, but I don't care. I lo- I loved Mr. Show. I was so excited when about six years after Run Ronnie Run came out, I found out that it existed, and uh, I even just finding out that I was going to talk to you, I ended up watching it again just recently, just for the hell of it. And once again, great job in there. I love your character. The kid's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. How, how, I mean, how did you get so lucky to get roped into that? I mean, just about everyone who was known for comedy in the 2000s or late 90s was in that movie. It was just a cameo fest. How did you get that lucky? Um, I auditioned. <laughs> it really was, um, on my end, you know, I, I, you know, basically... My agent said, you have an audition, and I went in, and I, it really seemed like a lot of fun, so I, I really, really went for it. It was one of, the, one of those roles that you really, um, you know, commit yourself to. And so I went in, and I had, uh, as a kid, you know, taken a bunch of karate classes and everything, so like in the audition, um, you know, we were, the, the, some of the audition scenes were some of the, uh, the fight scenes that you see towards the end. Uh, which I have to say was probably one of the best times I've ever had on set. It was so much fun. Um, I was like, I, I tried to do every stunt they would 
let me do, and it was it was absolutely amazing. Um, and so I, in the audition, I started, you know, doing, you know, kicks and, and all these karate moves and how a routine worked out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if it was that or the fact that I could actually, you know, um, say a line. <laughs> you know? But, but uh, they liked what I was doing and they liked my look and, and they hired me. And I went to Georgia. We filmed in Georgia for, you know, my, like it was like two or three week periods or something like that. Um, and it was just a blast. It, it really was. It was a lot of fun. Oh, I wish, I wish that instead of you getting that role, I had got it. Uh, I obviously would have been far too old, I think, but I would have done my damn, my damnedest. But, uh, what, what was it like working with Bob Odenkirk? I mean, he's always been well known in comedy, but especially since Breaking Bad, he is becoming a huge star. He's a legend. Yeah. uh, Yeah. He's finally getting some respect and this is, oh God, God, I love that That run, Ronnie run. I'm just playing scenes in my head right now. Uh, what was, what was it like working with him? Is he is he off camera kind of a dick? <laughs> well, honestly, you can tell Go me. On. I've always kind of wondered. You know, um, I never got the vibe from him. Uh, he, we always, you know, he was always respectful. We always got along um, because he was one of the the main guys behind that production. Um, I was always kind of trained. Um, you know, partially because starting as a young kid, my parents kind of grained in me, you don't bug the adults. So even though I was, you know, 13, I, I wasn't a little kid anymore, um, I didn't, you know, sit there and go up and, and you know, um, fraternize with the officers, so to speak. Um, but, you know, whenever we interacted and we talked and, and did, you know, sit and, and sit next to each other and talk and everything, I never got the vibe from him that he was he was a dick. I never got that sense from him. Um, you know, oh, yeah. good. That well, warms my heart. Well, we actually have no reports of him being a dick. We just kind of wanted to throw it out there. I just, yeah, yeah, anyone yeah. I see that you know I really kind of like, I start thinking, I bet he's really a dick. So. Please don't make it true. That he's a dick. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, he, All right, well. total dick, what can I say? You know, no, I'm kidding. Oh, careful. Now, you now heard, we're going to get a sound bite. You heard it here first. Okay. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, we got to let you go, EJ. We are looking forward so much to nobility. We had a good time talking to you, and uh, we're gonna the rest of the cast looks fun, and we will keep dropping mentions. And hopefully, this next summer, spring to summer, we'll all have our eyes open for it. So, thank you very much for joining us, EJ. Best of luck with it. Yes, thank you very much. We'll look forward to your uh, to your show and your career. Oh, back at you guys. Thanks a lot, and I uh, really appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's been a great time. Take Not care. at all. Thank you, man. Bye. Bye. All right. E.J. De La Pena. Seems like he likes what he does. Yes, he's very uh, interesting and interested. True. Mm-hmm. True. I'm glad we had him. And, and, and after all of this, I feel like that time of Saturday morning, when it's actually Saturday afternoon, Sleep is regrowing in my eyes. The milk is congealing next to my cereal bowl. The light is streaming in through the curtains, and college football is the only thing on TV. I guess it's time to wake up, get outside, get some goddamn exercise, kids. Thank you for joining us for a little more Saturday morning cereal. If you want to do it again, maybe we'll meet up here some Saturday morning on the couch. I get the remote. Bitches.
Ah, oh, this is enough of this.